right. Well, thanks for tuning in again. This is Weird Mythic Podcast, and we're excited to be here. I'm Naomi. I'm Serena. Here we are. Let's <laughs> get started. Episode six. Crazy. Episode six. We had a lot of fun with the last couple episodes, so yeah. let's hope this one's just as good. I had issues with it. I actually accidentally deleted half of my stuff the other day, oh, no. <laughs> and that's why I was struggling to get it back. It's because you were cursed. I guess so. And today we're talking about curses. Yes, today we are talking about curses. Curse versus coincidence. Yeah. Say that. Yeah, I agree with yeah. that statement, because... When you're trying to look into the curses that you're, like, heard of going around, and then you're looking into it, and you're like, well, this just happened to a few people. Yeah. So we'll definitely get more but into that. But it's still weird. It's still on brand for us. So. Yeah. It's weird. Exactly. Yeah, so I think after each uh, each one, we'll mm-hmm. go ahead and just decide if we think it's a curse or a coincidence. I like it. Yeah. And you cool. guys definitely send us your, you know, um, own theories on some yeah. of these curses and coincidences. All right, let's jump in, man. All right, so I'm going to start talking about the Hope Diamond. It's actually, I've heard of it only a couple times, mainly from my mom. So thanks, mom, for, you know, putting that out there. Shout out. (laughs) All right, so the Hope Diamond. The first known ownership of it came out in 1666 by a man named Jean Tavernier. Well, that's already bad numerology. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) So he... I'm going to put this in quotes, even though you guys can't see it, but quotes over bought the diamond in India, okay? Mm. This place in India that he got it from is known to have some of the world's most prettiest diamonds and gems. So, Mm. yeah, so he got it from India, and he brought it back to France in 1668 and gave it to King Louis XIV. I hope it's 14. (laughs) I know, I know. (laughs) So King Louis XIV, he had it in 1668, but he had it resized and made into a pin. He resized this so much it went down half its value, pretty much. Why would he do that? I there's really no reason. Just so that it looked pretty on his brooch was the only thing I could think of. You know, vanity. Who mm-hmm. knows? But it was originally at 116 carat, and it's now at 68 carat. Like, yeah. why would you do that to a beautiful piece of? You know, I, I don't know. Just why would you do yeah. that? And then in 1791, during the French Revolution, the the, di- the Hope Diamond was actually stolen from France. And they're not quite sure exactly what happened to it. There is some, like, sources that said it was in multiple people's hands. But I couldn't find any actual names of the people. But the people who did wear it... Apparently, they just had really bad luck, and a lot of them were murdered. Oh, my gosh. The people that I did find who did own and wear the diamond was actually Maria Antoinette, who was beheaded. So, that's not good. The king that she was with, King Louis XVI, he was also beheaded. So, yeah, that's the first instance of people dying because they wore the diamond. I wonder... Um, that made it like now people want it like Marie Antoinette yeah. wore it, so yeah now they're like <laughs> I know I I can't really find any real reason why so many people wanted the diamond it's just I think it's just beautiful and people yeah. just kind of gravitate towards something like that um it wasn't seen again until 1839 so it was gone for years and the only way that somebody found it is because it was in a gem catalog. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, in a catalog. And it was, the catalog was owned by, and the diamond was owned by a man named Henry 
Philip Hope. Hence the name, the oh, Hope nice. Diamond. <laughs> so after it was seen in this catalog, Henry Hope still had it. It wasn't, it was stolen, but he owned it. So nobody tried to take it from him, I guess, which I guess is a good thing. But I figured like the French government or whoever would probably try to get it at some point. But I didn't find any records of that happening. Huh. So after Henry had passed, it went along to one of his nephews who then gave it to another, gave it to his grandkid. So Henry's nephew's grandkid, Lord Francis Hope, became the next owner in 1894. He was married to this singer named May Yohi. And although he had no money, like at all, like he was, he was a Lord Francis Hope, but he gambled away all his money. So mm -hmm. he mainly just had this diamond was his only source of his asset. Anything. His only asset. Thank you. His <laughs> yeah. asset. Yeah. So he was married to this singer. And even though he had no money, he he didn't show it. He always spent as much as he could. He started gambling. He started borrowing money, which just put him into even more debt. And yeah, he just didn't care. And he just had this diamond. He just hoarding it pretty much. His wife eventually divorced him and actually left him for a U.S. military man in the 1900. He then sold the diamond in 1901, and then he passed away 40 years later without a penny to his name. His ex-wife, the singer, she passed away in 1930, who, surprisingly, she actually didn't have any money to her name as well. Soon after her divorce to him, she was still a singer for a little bit, but then fell off and eventually started doing like, um, cleaning services. Oh, okay. But when she passed away, she didn't have anything to say or have anything to her name. Both of them wore it. So I thought that was interesting. Could that be why. Yeah. yeah. But I mean like the fact that she had money and then all of a sudden didn't have money after leaving who owned the diamond is an interesting coincidence. Mm -hmm. When, what was his name? Oh, I'm so sorry. I lost my spot. Lord Hope. When he sold the diamond in 1901, he sold it to a dealer who then sold it to this man named Joseph Frankels. And he used the diamond to pay off his debts. The person he sold it to was this man named Salome Habib. And he took it to auction in 1909. So that's a good eight years of it just kind of Bouncing floating around, there. Yeah. And within those um, eight years... Apparently, there was multiple owners. It was apparently owned by a Russian prince at one point who lent it to an actress named Lawrence Ledoux. The first night she wore it, she was shot. Yeah. The prince was then stabbed later on that <laughs> night. <laughs> he passed away, sadly. I believe the <laughs> actress lived. <laughs> because it's like she was shot and then he was stabbed that day. That's yeah. insane. And in 1908... A Greek jeweler sold it to a Persian jeweler who crashed his carriage into an embankment. He passed away and so did the others in the car. Aww. So, all very sad and very strange. So, in 1909, it was then owned by a sultan in Turkey. And he lent it to this woman who he was seeing. She was stabbed that day. Because a guard thought she stole it. So... That's horrible. The Sultan was assassinated later on. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm sorry I keep laughing. It's more of a nervous <laughs> laugh, okay? <laughs> um, so back to that auction that, it, that the diamond was in in 1909. It wasn't sold at that auction. <laughs> Nobody bought it. Yeah. Um, but somebody did buy it in 1910 and then sold it to this man named Pierre Carrier. 
Pierre was in Paris, and he met with this woman named Evelyn McLean. Evelyn kind of wanted the Hope Diamond. She knew about the lore around it, but and she... Made her want it? Well, kind of. That was her thing. It was like she was kind of on the fence if she actually wanted to purchase this cursed diamond or not. So Pierre, being the good salesman he is, let her wear it for a day. She got stabbed. Nope. Oh. She did not get stabbed. <laughs> so she wore it for the day, and apparently she loved it and ended up buying it the next day. And then she got stabbed. Nope. (laughs) After she bought it, Pierre actually put it into the necklace that it is currently still in today. Okay. So it's still in that same necklace that he put it in for her. But there was a clause during the whole selling of this Hope Diamond, since it does have a history of people dying after they wear it or after they purchase it. So the clause for the Hope Diamond from Pierre selling it to Evelyn says... Should any fatalities occur to the family of Edward and Evelyn McLean within six months, the said Hope Diamond is agreed to be exchanged for jewelry of equal value. So a prenup on a diamond. (laughs) Six months. They got six months to wait. And then they have no liability. free of guilt. Pretty much. Apparently, Evelyn never took this necklace off. It was said that a doctor had a hard time trying to get it off of her to just perform an an important um, procedure procedure operation. I think she had, like, a gourd on her neck or her face, and she didn't want to take the necklace off to have this surgery. But the doctor's like, you you have to. So I guess it took him a while to get it off of her. Um, Although she didn't believe in the curse, a lot of people said that she was affected by it. Sadly, her son passed away when he was nine in a car crash. And then she lost her daughter due to suicide when her daughter was 25. Her husband was declared insane and sent to a mental institution until his passing in 1941. Jeez. Yup. So Evelyn had had it forever. And she actually uh, passed away due to natural causes. Yeah. So she had it for a long time. And... The only thing that was bad to her was the people around her had yeah. horrible bad luck. I wonder if that's like has something to do with the fact that she didn't believe in it, or I don't know. I'm not sure, and I'm I'm I want to say there's probably a lot more going on, but yeah. I couldn't really find anything else besides the deaths in her she family. Made a deal. She's like, as long as I don't take it off, I won't die. I guess <laughs> who knows? But she, when she passed, she had nothing to her name as well. Oh. And so the few people in the family that it was supposed to be passed down to didn't want the gem and they sold it to pay off her debts and her estate. So it was purchased by a company owned by a man named Harry Winston. And not only did he buy the Hope Diamond, but I guess Evelyn had a whole bunch of other gems and jewelry that he then put on display as like, you know, how they do in regular museums. Like we have the Crocker Art Museum here in Sacramento Mm -hmm. and you can see their personal jewelry and their personal um, like lamps and stuff they had in their home. It's all on display and you can just look at it. A lot of it's really pretty. Um, So anyways, that's what they did with Evelyn's uh, um, gems and jewelry and along with the Hope Diamond. It was in a showcase uh, for over 10 years, and then it was donated to the Smithsonian in 1958, huh. and that is where it is today. Okay. 
interesting, I know. I think it is cursed. <laughs> I'm just going to put it yeah, out there. I think cursed, too. Very much so. Anything that as was... As, I mean, just the yeah. money aspect of it. Everybody like, who owned it for a certain amount of time, when they passed away, they had no money to their name. Yep. And then just the few people that just happened to wear it I were stabbed. I wonder if that has something to do with, in the beginning, when the guy, like, cut it in half type of mm-hmm. thing. Now they're like, okay, now the diamond creates, right. creates all your belongings <laughs> Yeah, that's if you cut it. Down. Exactly. Um, so I kind of just wanted to go over a couple other things with the Hope Diamond, just to let everyone know how many owners it had. Like, I'm counting already up to 10 different owners. All of them passed away without any money, and that's I think that's insane. So the original guy that owned it, though, I kind of wanted to throw this out there, the Jean-Baptiste Tavinier. There's two stories of how he passed away. The first one is, you know, he sold it to the king and he lived a long, happy life and passed away at the age of 84. Okay. The other one is that after he sold it, he was attacked by wild dogs and oh. mauled to death. Oh. <laughs> so, just wanted to throw that out there as well. So, yeah, that is the Hope Diamond. <laughs> what do well, you yikes. think? I think cursed. Cursed? Yeah. Verdict is in. We think it's cursed. So, yeah. <laughs> we would like to know what you guys think next. <laughs> Did you want to get into yours, or do you want yeah. me to do mine next? Uh, <laughs> My other one. I'll do one. Okay. I'll do one. I'll do the, uh, okay, this is the curse of James Dean's Little Bastard. Little Bastard? It's not a person, it's a car. Thank you. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. Yeah, so if you're not familiar Ooh. with James Dean, he was an American actor. His career was between 1950 and 1955. He was born in 1931. Um, in 1954, he developed an interest in motorsport. So he wanted to, like, race cars. Mm-hmm. And he purchased a 1995 Porsche 550 Spider. Okay. I don't know why that was so hard for me to get 550 Spider. Out. Yes. And he nicknamed the Porsche Little Bastard. That's actually kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, and he was in a car accident on September 30th, 1955, and he did pass away. He was on his way to a race meeting. Like. Oh, okay. Yeah. To so race like, Little Bastard. Yes, and he passed away in the car. Damn. So, the car was then sold on and would continue to cause carnage. Continue. Yeah. Even if it was just parts of the car. <laughs> So, Dr. William Estridge bought the Porsche from a salvage yard in Burbank. He started to strip it for parts. He installed the engine into his Lotus race car. So, he also raced Mm -hmm. cars. And then he loaned the transmission and the suspension to a fellow doctor and racer, Dr. Troy McHenry. Okay. So, two people have pieces to this car. Yes. And they were both racing in the 1956 Pomona Sports Race. Mm -hmm. And Estridge, crashed the Lotus, and he was okay. He survived. Okay. He did have injuries, but he survived. In that same race, McHenry hit a tree, and he was killed almost instantly. Oh, my gosh. So he had the parts in his yeah. car, and he was killed instantly. And the curse of the little bastard gained strength. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the Porsche carried on shortly after the crash. A publicity monger and self-proclaimed king of customs, George Barris, bought the spider, promising to rebuild it. At one point, he was going to get it serviced. It slipped off of the trailer and broke the mechanic's leg. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) The mechanic didn't even own anything. Exactly. (laughs) He was just around it. Wow. (laughs) They found the frame to be beyond repair, so at this point, it's not gonna, you know, it, Mm -hmm. it can't be fixed. 
Um, he just he chose to capitalize on the car's notoriety. So now he's like, I'm gonna use this car. Yeah, right. <laughs> and from 1957 to 1959, the Porsche went on a tour of car shows, bowling alleys, and cinemas. And basically, within that time, it was just being you know loaded all around all these mm-hmm. different car shows, and people could go and see it. Um, in March 1959. It was in storage in Fresno. Okay. And the car mysteriously caught fire. Like, nobody knows like, how. <laughs> Just combusted, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and it actually suffered little damage. It had two melted tires and singed paint. That was it. That was it? <laughs> that was it. Oh, wow. I mean, they obviously built cars a little different back then. But, but like, yeah. come on. <laughs> and also, the fire didn't spread to the other vehicles that were in that same storage. Weird. It was the only one that was affected. That's so strange. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, meanwhile, Bears had sold a pair of tires from the Porsche. And while the new owner was driving, the tires both blew out at the same time, causing the driver to veer off the road. Mm-hmm. I think he survived, though. Okay. But bad luck. But still. Like... <laughs> yeah. The car is said to have fallen from its display while on show in Sacramento, <laughs> breaking the hip of a bystander. Just, He's just, just hanging out. Yeah. We have car shows all the time over here. Like, yeah. come on. He was there to see it, and it just fell on him. <laughs> just fell. And broke his hip. Jesus. Yeah. Um, it fell and killed George Barkus, the driver who transported it to a road safety expo at one point. The car is rumored to have disappeared from a sealed boxcar in 1960 while en route from Miami to Los Angeles, and... Yeah, the whereabouts still remain unknown. What? Yeah, we don't know where the car is. Oh my god! Um, yeah, despite there being like a million dollar reward. So still, and that was yeah. since when? 1960. Nobody has any idea where this car is. Nope. I don't believe somebody's got to know where it is. They ain't saying shit. That's hilarious. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Wow. Yeah. Okay. That was my small little one, but what do you think? Curse or coincidence? I almost want to say it's a curse. I want to say it's a curse, too. Because, I do. I, I think mean, that's too many coincidences. Exactly. At what point does a coincidence make <laughs> Exactly. But I feel like just the, the fact that the people around it are now being mm-hmm. affected to me, that makes it seem like... Or those people are just extremely unlucky and, like, wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. But that's... I think it's even more strange that nobody knows where the car is. Yeah. And it just disappeared. I'm like, that guy had to have had something to do with it. He had to have. He sold it or something. I don't know. Something. Or it's... I don't magical know. car that magical car <laughs> went back to hell. I, don't I know. think if anything, somebody who somehow got the car and just like has it in their garage somewhere, yeah, and just just leaving it there. I want to know how they are though, because right. if it's cursed, then what? How happened? are they? <laughs> right. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting though. But yeah. I'm I'm agreement with you. Yeah. It's, it's a curse. curse. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. Oh, man. What do we got next? I have another diamond, actually. Ooh. Yeah, but this one. And I'm so sorry if I mispronounced this name of the diamond. It's Koinor Diamond, and it's spelled K-O-H-I-N-O-O-R. So Koinor. Sorry if I mispronounce <laughs> it again. <laughs> this is another diamond that originated in India. So just keep that in mind that now both the diamonds I'm talking about did come from the same area. And this is another instance of it being quote-unquote bought. But I'm always going to say that these things are stolen. That has to be where it starts. Like, it, where it originates. Like, if, if you're going to steal something that the Earth has made, I feel like that's, an, that's that. I don't know. 
I don't know how to like get the words out or yeah. my thought content like actually out there, but I do believe that the fact that these are natural things that are made from the earth and then you take it for profit. I don't, and I think. benefit off of it. Exactly. Yeah. I think that has a lot to do with it. This gem, according to Anita Anand and William Dalrymple, they are British gemologists and geologists. They had to go back about four centuries into India's history to find out where this gem actually came from. Their first record of it is in 1628 by a ruler named Shah Jahan, who wanted the gemstone to be put into a gem throne. So, and it took seven years for him to make this throne. And this gem was pretty much the centerpiece. It was on top of the head of the peacock that was like pretty much right behind his head when he would sit on this throne. But... In 1739, and this is in India, by the way. So in 1739, um, the throne was invaded by Persia and a man named Nadir. He really wanted this diamond and he was able to get it and he wore it as an armband. So it went from India to Afghanistan and it was in Afghanistan and for about 70 years, I believe. And during that seven year or 70 years, it went from ruler to ruler, you know, high people to high people. Um, there's rumors saying that one of the kings actually blinded his son so that it he could keep the diamond pretty much for whatever reason. But he needed to blind his son over it. And there's another story. And it's very strange because I'm rewatching Game of Thrones. And if you've seen it, there's that part where called Drago takes that melted gold and puts it over the wannabe King Dragon's head. That fucking happened. In real life, you guys, this fucking happened. I read it in multiple sources, okay? So one of the rulers did that to somebody else who had the gem so he could get it. Poured molten gold over his head so that he could get it. So freaking crazy. Um, The diamond did end up going back to India in the 1800s. And it was then in the hands of a Sikh ruler in 1813. And he went by the name as Ranjit Singh. However, he then passed away in 1839. And it went to about four different kings for the next four years. Passing through this person to this person. Whoever's supposed to be next in line got this gem. And it eventually landed into the hands of a child king named Dulip Singh. He was 10 years old. Yeah, 10 year old king. He gave it to the British government in 1849. But we got to remember that during this time, the British government was coming in to colonize India. So I don't believe he gave it away willingly at all. Mm. I think this was more of something that the British just wanted. So it eventually went back to Britain and then was worn by a bunch of queens. And that was pretty much it, okay? (laughs) So the whole lore and curse behind this diamond is that it's bad luck for men. Because all of the rulers that had it before it went to, like, Queen Victoria in France... Every, everybody passed away or was murdered. 13th century, apparently, because I know that I just said that the the gemologist said that the first time they had it recorded was in 1628. I was able to find one, one or two sources that said they had um, documentation that it was in the hands of a king who ruled Delhi. And that was in 1526. 
And this, that's kind of where it got a little like sticky for where it actually ended up after that. And that's when it came back in 1739. And then all the men between then and 1849, like I said, were all murdered and passed away. But then as soon as it got to the hands of the queens, they were fine. Everything, <laughs> nothing else happened. It was all okay. It was even like used to get somebody out of prison who had it like stored in their prison cell at one point. And then that guy died too. And the guy he gave it to passed on also. So yeah, I just thought it was interesting that for centuries that the men who like killed each other over this diamond, killed each other over this diamond. And then as soon as it gets to France and Queen Victoria had it, and then it went to uh, Queen Alexandra, and then Queen Mary in 1937. Um, it was then placed on top of the coffin of the Queen Mother, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not really up to date on exactly how the queens and queen mothers work, but the Queen Mother in, like, as I said, in 1937 was the last person to wear it. And it is now on display in the Tower of London. I'm not quite sure if that's just a curse or if Men were just mean back in the day and killed each other over it. Thank you. Yeah, I'm going coincidence on this one. I think Mm -hmm. they were just assholes. Yeah, and people (laughs) just thought it was a pretty diamond. And um, apparently this diamond was also reshaped at one time as well. And its value went down as well. But, um, you know, why would you even do that to a pretty diamond? Yeah. So... There's that as well. Great. Coincidence. <laughs> I mean, go with coincidence. <laughs> I agree. I do think the Hope Diamond might be cursed. I but think that's a curse. The this one, I Corey think. Nor, I think that's a coincidence, coincidence. as well. Yeah. Um, so far, we're at two curses. Yeah. One coincidence. One coincidence. Um, something that I forgot to mention about the Hope Diamond, though. So, the last person to take it to the Smithsonian, it was actually sent through the U.S. mail. So the U.S. postage worker who delivered it, let me just get my note. Just kidding. (laughs) No, but it might have been worse, honestly. He delivered the Hope Diamond to the Smithsonian because that's his job as a postal worker. And later on, his leg was crushed in a truck accident, and he suffered a head injury as well in another car accident. And then his house was burnt down. <laughs> he was just doing his job. Just doing man. his job. Just happened to touch this thing. And oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, you I have got another the next one. one? All right. Yeah. Let's get more into I it. I have one more. Okay. Uh, I didn't, you know, get a ton, ton of information, but I think it's interesting. I think a lot of people already kind of know about this one. Okay. It's the curse of the pharaohs or the King Tut curse. See, I know the King yeah. Tut curse. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a strong belief that anyone who should disturb a mummy or a pharaoh's tomb will be cursed, causing bad luck, illness, and death. In the past century, the curse has turned into a warning, particularly in the case of King Tut's tomb. Okay. So. Uh, the tomb was opened in 1922. 1922. Yeah. Archaeologist and Egyptologist Howard Carter's team were the ones who opened it. And then here's a couple people who, well, a couple people and pets. And who pets. Who were connected to the curse. Yeah. We don't like that. So, the first one, Howard Carter's pet canary <laughs> was eaten by a cobra. Oh, no. Yeah. The cobra is symbolic to the Egyptian monarchy, and it's believed that the royal cobra was released into Carter's home as a symbol of how the king strikes an enemy. And where was he when it killed his bird? 
Was he in I Egypt? I think he still was over, yeah. Okay, okay. So, yeah. So this began local rumors that the curse had been released. Mm-hmm. This is the start of it. Okay. Bird. First start. Got yep. it. And then, um, Lord Carnarvon. I feel like I'm saying that wrong. He was somebody who sponsored the dig. Okay. So just a sponsor. He wasn't mm-hmm. there or anything. Actually, he might have been there. He died of blood poisoning. He was bitten by a mosquito, and then he accidentally cut the bite while he was shaving. Oh. And then it became infected, and he died of blood poisoning. Oh, wow. Some believe that the mosquito bite was in the same location as a lesion on King Tut's face, but no formal autopsy, so cannot confirm. And for something like blood poisoning, you can go to the doctor and get help for that. Yeah, so it just sounds like... He neglected to do so. Yeah. Okay, so two down. (laughs) Yeah. And then we have the last one we're going to talk about is Sir Bruce Lingham. He was Carter's friend. Mm -hmm. His house burned down twice. (laughs) Twice. (laughs) Ingham received a paperweight of a mummified hand. And on the wrist, it was adorned with a scarab bracelet Mm -hmm. marked with, Cursed be he who moves my body. To him shall come fire, water, and pestilence. Jeez. So, and then his house burned down twice. Oh my god! So fire definitely came. Yeah. (laughs) No one has an explanation for this other than bad luck. I mean, I think all of these could be chalked Mm -hmm. up to, that's some really bad luck. Yeah, but... but Carter himself, he did not believe in the curse. Um, Out of the 58 people who were present when the sarcophagus was opened, only 8 died within a 12-year period. I feel mm-hmm. like that's still kind of a lot, though. I still feel like that's a lot. But maybe not. I don't know. About I don't then. know. That, I don't know. That seems yeah. like a lot of people who happen to be involved with the, you know, yeah. the excavation of the tomb. Exactly. Yeah. And then scientists noted that the tomb may have been filled with deadly fungus that had grown over the centuries and then was released into the air when the tomb was opened. Mm-hmm. They did do an air quality test. There were high levels of ammonia, formaldehyde, and hydrogen sulfide, but nothing that would have been, like, detectable, they said. Mm-hmm. So, also cannot confirm. Interesting. Yeah. I want to say it's a curse, though. See, and I'm leaning towards coincidence on this one. (laughs) I think one of the reasons I really just kind of want it to be a curse. Yeah. You know, like, just the fact that I know in a lot of Egyptian stuff, especially when it comes to the tombs, they're like, don't open this. Like, yeah. Because they're don't open it. It's their freaking grave site and they're desecrating a grave. Yeah. Like, like, and apparently, like, this curse or warning, whatever you want to call it, had no, um, like, depiction of whether it was for archaeologists or, like, thieves or robbers. So, like, right. they don't care. No. <laughs> the curse doesn't care. Yeah. The curse, whatever. The whole point of the pharaohs having those big tombs is because everything's going to go with them to the, the afterlife. afterlife. Yeah, exactly. And another thing that they have to do in the afterlife is go through certain, like, tests. Yeah, like, so they that, get the, their heart is away to see yes. the yeah. yeah. So, it's like, they can't move on to the afterlife exactly. if we're in there disturbing their shit. <laughs> Now y'all are up here fucking it up. Yeah, like all their stuff is now in museums. Yeah. What are they doing? Just running around their tombs? We don't know, exactly. but it's very rude. So. It is, yeah, because you don't know. Although it's very pretty art. No, <laughs> and yeah. I'm happy I could see it if I go to the Louvre again. Yeah, I was but. watching another documentary about, uh, it was, a, I want to say it was in 2018 where another tomb was open. I can't remember whose mm-hmm. it was, but they wasted no time. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, Oh, okay, now that we have the the main room, mm-hmm. like, they, you know, did that, they read all the hieroglyphics, they're like, now we're gonna dig into the shaft. 
Once you go down there, that's where the freaking body mm-hmm. is. What do you mean you're going to now yep. dig into the shaft? Are you kidding me? Yeah. That's where the body is. It exactly. just pissed me off. Yeah. And then I think if it's the same documentary I'm thinking of, um, once they started digging and then they noticed that some of the graves were actually on the sidewall. And there were some kids in there from, like, young kids. Damn. And it's like, those poor children, leave them alone. Yeah. Their parents put them there. Their parents are there. It's a family thing. Like, we shouldn't be disturbing them. Yeah, so that's crazy. Yeah. But I, I think I'm still leaning towards coincidence. <laughs> I think I just kind of want it to be a curse. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> But coincidence or not, still don't fucking disturb people's yeah, graves and I agree. their shrines of where they're at. Like <laughs> that's their shit, man. <laughs> PSA from weird mythic: don't desecrate graves. Yeah, okay, it's fucking illegal too. <laughs> it's illegal anyway. <laughs> All right, what else do we got? Well, um, I, so when we, when Serene and I first started wanting to do, like, a curses episode, and I think we might kind of touch back on this at some point. Yeah. But I really wanted to kind of dive into, um, the curse of Bruce Lee. Yeah, when you brought that up, that was when I was like, oh yeah, we have to do this early on, because I don't know what the fuck that is. <laughs> right. I don't know. And it was really just something that, as a fan of Bruce Lee, and as somebody who was really into The Crow, <laughs> and I was a big fan of Brandon Lee just because of that movie, I always just kind of heard about it, but I'd never done research on it, so well, did a little bit of in. research. And for those of for those out there who don't know who Bruce Lee is, just look him up. <laughs> He was a Chinese-American actor, but he was also part of um, the martial arts, and he was a big uh, promoter for Jeet Kwando. and not a lot of people have been introduced to that before he came into the movies, and he was also one of the first Chinese-American actors to make it big in America. So he had a couple of children, actually, and one of them, his name was Brandon, who also became an actor. The thing with them is they were actually both born in the year of the dragon. Bruce Lee was born in 1940, and Brandon, his son, was born in 1968. And according to the Chinese Zodiac, being born in the year of the dragon is actually supposed to be lucky, and you're supposed to have a good life and good life outcomes. So I think that was really promising, especially their parents when they're like okay my kid is born in year of the dragon this should be they should have luck they should be prosperous and both of them were but bruce did have um an older brother who actually passed away before bruce lee was born his parents did have another son who sadly passed away both bruce and brandon were passed away during the making of their last film bruce passed away during the process of filling filming the movie game of death He was very heavily involved in it. And then after he passed, I guess the whole production value just went down. Brandon Lee passed away during the filming of the movie The Crow. Both of them had to have like doubles and other people come in to step into their roles to finish these movies. Going back into the curse. As I said, Bruce Lee, his parents did have another child who sadly passed away before Bruce was born. Um, So when Bruce was born, especially in the year of the dragon, his parents were very happy to have not only another son, but born into a good year. However, his parents were really superstitious and actually had the nickname for Bruce growing up is actually a female nickname. And they called him like Little Phoenix, I believe. But the reason that they gave him a female nickname is actually supposed to confuse the spirits. Because they didn't want the spirits to come by and take another son of theirs. So they gave him a female nickname so that they could keep him safe. And that's kind of like the start 
of this Bruce Lee curse is it's the curse of the dragon in the okay. Lee family. And then, it, as I said, Bruce and Brandon also passed away. Some odd coincidences is that Bruce actually predicted that he would die at um, half the age of his own dad. And he did. He did. He passed away almost to a T. His dad passed away at 64 and he passed away at 32. (laughs) So I thought that was very odd. Bruce also predicted that Brandon would die at a young age. And I'm not sure why he had that feeling. I couldn't find an exact reason why he predicted that, but it's very well documented that he actually verbally said that his son will die at an early age. Well, that's sad. It's like you're manifesting it. Exactly, right? (laughs) So, as I said when Bruce Lee passed away in I don't know if I said exactly when he passed away so I do apologize anyway when he passed away he took a pill because he had a headache and apparently that pill made him go into like cardiac arrest and that's how he passed away yeah there there's really no reason for that to happen there's rumors that the um I think it's the Triads, who are a gang in China, apparently poisoned him. So that's one of the rumors. And then the other rumor is just that it was an odd thing for him to die because he was very much in shape. He had no other ailments and just passed away from taking a headache pill. So yeah. sadly, that's how he passed. His son, Bru- uh, his son, Brandon, if you don't know the story, he was shot during the filming of one of the scenes in The Crow. This was supposed to be a blank Obviously, because it's a movie set. Yeah. There was a live bullet in this prop gun. Should never, ever have happened. So, that is just odd. Both of them... So, it's probably on freaking camera. Somewhere. Yep. Somewhere on camera. And everyone would was there not to mention the other actor who pulled the trigger how how yeah. much that has to hurt him because i mean like he, killed he didn't do anything yeah. he's acting and it's supposed to be a prop gun and oh my God. so they both passed away during their last movie they were both born in the year of the dragon both of them passed away at an early age and there was no reason for either of them to pass i'm thinking it is a more of a coincidence than a curse yeah considering that bruce does have other children Brandon has siblings, a brother and a sister who are still alive and well today. So, very interesting. Yeah, I think coincidence. I think a very sad coincidence. coincidence, A very sad coincidence. But I came across something while looking into Brandon. (laughs) So, there's rumors out there that the movie The Crow was cursed. (laughs) And that, we're doing an episode I was going to say, we have to do more on cursed yeah. movies, yeah. because apparently there's a lot out there. I know, there. and obviously we know, like, the normal ones, like mm-hmm. Poltergeist. Like Poltergeist, yeah, 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 which is another just sad thing with the, with the kid in that. Okay, we won't get into yeah, that yeah, yet. Yeah. <laughs> so, I just, you know, did a little bit of research onto The Crow and why it's haunted, or not haunted, but cursed. <laughs> um... <laughs> On the very first day of shooting, a person working on set was electrocuted by a wire. Um, The employee had second-degree burns on his ears, guys. That's how bad this electrocute, this electrocute, I don't know. He was electrocuted. (laughs) I can't, I can't speak today. (laughs) Um, At another time, another employee crashed their car into a shop that was on set. So ran into the movie set. No reason why. Um, one of the trucks on set cut on fire. A construction worker got hurt and um, actually stabbed himself in the hand with a screwdriver by accident. Huh? Um, an- you- another. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> 
How do you accidentally... A screwdriver. A screwdriver. You have to, like... I could understand smashing your hand with a hammer. Uh-huh. Me too. But a screwdriver? A screwdriver stabbed himself in the hand by accident with a screwdriver. Okay. An- another construction worker fell off a roof and broke a rib. Um, and... Let's see what there was another one. Oh, apparently there was just constant bad weather on set that it destroyed the set so much. That's why they had all these construction guys always there because they had to fix it because of all the bad weather. And one of the other things that happened was a publicist was in a car accident on their way to the set. So, and then, of course, Brandon Lee passing away. So, I I want to say the movie's more cursed than the Lee family curse. I was going to say, I feel like it's the movie. (laughs) So, yeah, both really sad. Brandon and Bruce uh, passed away way too early, not only in their careers, but in life alone. So, very sad. But That's crazy. Those are my curses. All right. Well, dang. Interesting. Well, we would like to know what you guys think. Really, yeah. really would like to know what you guys think. Cause curse or coincidence or your own theory? Coincidence. Did I miss something? I mean, like, if there's anything that I missed, because some of those diamonds, oh my gosh. Yeah, they there's went through so, so many, many people. people. So many people. And then this person had it, passed away. Went to this person, and then they passed away. And uh-huh. then the next person got stabbed or was shot or just... I- Beheaded. I swear they all got stabbed. They all got stabbed, I know. That's why I was like, they got stabbed. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or in Marie Antoinette's case, she was beheaded. Like, that's insane. So... Well, I also just want to say thank you, Serena, for coming over to my house. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for letting me meet your cat. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I know. Little fat Louie. Louie is fat. He's an 18-pound cat, guys. So. He's so cute. He has the little, okay, you think he's going to be masculine and have this, like, I don't know. Like, gruff. Yeah, rough meow, but he, he goes, meow. <laughs> I don't know, and he's so he's not as soft as your kitty. Though. My cat feels like a chinchilla. She's yeah. so soft. She's all tiny and soft. She's little, and then they both have crooked tails. Yeah, so it's cute. it's great. <laughs> both of our cats have crooked tails. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks, guys. We have social media. Where can you find us? Um, you could find us on Instagram <laughs> at uh, Weird Mythic Podcast, all one word. And we are also on Facebook.com slash Weird Mythic. You could also send us an email at weirdmythicpodcast at gmail.com. Definitely, guys, theories, coincidence, courage, what Uh you think, and then personal stories. We want them so bad. We want all the personal stories. We still need some stuff on on sleep paralysis. Yes, that's going to be our next project. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Twitter um, also. Oh, yeah, we're on Twitter. Weird Mythic. And then we we both have personal Twitter. Yes, I just got a Twitter. I forced her into it. (laughs) I believe it's uh, Naomi Cat 91, I think, is my Twitter. (laughs) Well, it's on our Weird Mythic page, so go go follow us. Yes, follow us on all social media and and I believe we're going to do another cryptid episode next. Yes, that and should be coming next, as well as we're going to be rolling out a YouTube channel. Yes, so we're going to try to get yeah. something together. So if we're you guys got any, like, you know, um, ideas, suggestions like on how to do that. Yeah, so that's going to be coming next. Stay tuned for that. Mm-hmm. And thanks again, guys, for tuning in. Bye.